Hello, everyone, and welcome to Camp Student Radio. My name is Allie Gilbreth, and today I'm joined by President Robbins. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, so today we're just going to have an interview, uh, mostly talking about things from the strategic plan to just things about you as a person, and hopefully getting some advice that students can take away as well. Um, so my first question is obviously, uh, what made you decide to come onto Camp Student Radio? Oh, because you invited me. <laughs> I think it's like the coolest thing I've done all day. Aw, that's, that's good to hear. We're really glad to have you. Um, I know in the past we've had presidents have frequent shows, um, almost maybe once a month or twice a month, and they would play their own music and be able wow. to have a show. So if you're interested in that, Absolutely. we'd love to have you. Yes. Um, so getting just straight into the bulk of things, uh, for many of our listeners, I, they're mostly students and undergrads. And while they, I remember you mentioning when you were previously at the student media that some students didn't even know that you were president or who you were. Right. And I think also uh, many of them aren't sure exactly what your goals are, so the strategic plan specifically. Um, so could you just sum up the strategic plan and the five pillars of it for our listeners? You want me to go through each of the pillars? <laughs> Maybe not so thoroughly, but... Well, I, I think, you know, pillar one is the most important pillar. It uh, focuses on student success. Mm -hmm. And if we did nothing else it, uh, but that, we, we would declare victory. And then uh, pillar two is around research. Three is reimagining the uh, new land-grant university in the fourth industrial revolution. Four is all about global, and five is around how we make the campus and uh, the university run more efficiently. And I, I, I guess the probably the tagline is we're, we're all here. We're in the knowledge discovery and knowledge trans, uh, translation business of uh, educating students, training them to be the next generation of leaders, and uh, in, a, in a word, helping each and every student, no matter where they come from, realize their hopes and dreams. Okay. That's a very good uh, sum up. I watched all of the presentations, so that was also nice for me to have a good summary. I really appreciate how you mentioned the main pillar, the number one pillar, uh, is students and being student-centric. And that was really encouraging, and I think a lot of students will appreciate hearing that. Um, so one thing I think many students also don't realize is that you have student office hours where you get to communicate with students. So when exactly do you have these, and are they open to anyone? Open to anyone, first come, first serve. Uh, but it's not quite working out for me because we, we try to do it usually in the afternoon, try to be sensitive to class schedules. Um, so uh, starting January, I'm going to change them. Uh, you probably know there's a, there's a residence, a university residence that, that I uh, live in uh, right down 3rd Street. And so we're going to start having them at night uh, so that I can invite more students because the typical way is it's about an hour, it's about 20 minutes per student, and we're just getting started at 20 minutes. So my hope is that we could have groups of maybe six or eight students uh, a night and, uh, and they could get to know each other uh, as well as, you know, tell me what's on their mind. Yeah, that kind of leads into my next question of, what have you learned about students and their mentality about the current state of the university? Well, I, I think that I'm impressed every day with how incredible our students are. I mean, uh, yesterday I went to the OSIRIS-REx uh, arrival at uh, Banu and uh, went to a press conference where one of our undergrads was uh, on the panel. Uh, funny thing about that, uh, Kara Burke Kara was, Burke, yes, yeah. uh, she is actually one of my friends, and she's an engineering student council with me. Yeah. So she was talking about how much fun she had, and being able to meet you, she really, you really left an impression on her, it seemed. Well, I, I was, you know, in, so impressed with her, and that you can come to the University of Arizona uh, and uh, be an integral part, not just, you know, making copies or doing things like that, but she actually is an integral part of counting all of the uh, hazards that are that are that could be potential for the landing site. 
uh, and all of the craters and things like that. I mean, this is a real work that she's doing as part of a NASA project. I don't think many undergrads get that opportunity. Yeah, that, that really boosts your resume it when does. you have that on there. And I think also part of the University of Arizona, that, including NASA and our involvement with OSIRIS-REx, uh, I feel like undergraduate research is highly encouraged here. It is. Um, so I am part of a research lab here on campus. And I think being able to have that opportunity and not having so many grad students, you know, taking up the spots of undergrads has really shown that you can leave the University of Arizona and you can either go the career path or go to graduate school because you do have those research experiences. Again, and it comes back to what is it you want to do, each and every student, and how can we help uh, facilitate and give you the tools to go out and be competitive in the marketplace or in grad school or professional school or whatever it is you want to do. Okay. So... You mentioned in your recent presentation for the strategic plan that you were tempted to open the presentation with a song from a little-known one-hit wonder band, The New Radicals, You Only Get What You Get. Right. Uh, The reason you were tempted to play that song was because of the line, Wake Up Kids, We've Got the Dreamer's Disease. The first line in the uh, song. Mm Mm-hmm. So almost like what you just mentioned now of, you know, students realizing their dreams. What was your dream when you were an undergraduate and... How has that led into your position as president? Well, I wanted to uh, obviously go to medical school and uh, be a heart surgeon. Uh, I was blessed to uh, maneuver through the gauntlets that, uh, (laughs) as one of my mentors told me, doing heart surgery is not difficult. Getting the opportunity to do heart (laughs) surgery is difficult. And I I think I learned a lot uh, just about uh, time management, about focusing, about teamwork, collaboration, um, and the importance of uh, helping patients and, uh, but, and doing research because that was a big part of what I was doing. But I, I knew that um, uh, I could help one person at a time. I think probably the amplifying effect of what, what I was able to do is there are probably uh, around 100 individuals spread all over the world that were trainees that I helped to train. So they're going out and helping uh, patients, but they're training their own residents. Uh, and then I, I guess I was looking for a way to, to make a, a bigger impact and difference. And uh, the next progression would have been to go and be a medical school dean. And I, I considered that several times. But um, where my real heart was, was with undergrads, because um, that's that's the time when many times you go away from home for the first time in your life, and it's that golden period in your life where you can start to become your own person and develop uh, ideas and be in a diverse group of uh, individuals where, uh, you know, the, the thought process of your career is being developed. And, and I think there's, you know, having uh, the ability to facilitate and help 45,000 students every year, that's, that is uh, incredibly important and very inspiring and uh, stimulating for me. And I like how you mentioned that you, you spread the dreamer's disease yes. through both of the paths that you chose to take, and uh, especially with the amount of magnitude that can spread. So I think many students are hoping that with this strategic plan and with you as our new president, hopefully your dreamer's disease will spread to everyone else. And I think that's already kind of starting to show. Um, when you came into the student media offices, a lot of us were very bright-eyed. And we've, I know for me, I never met the president before for a university, and I'm sure many people haven't. And then having you on the show also shows your involvement with the university. Um, so what other ways have you been involving yourself on campus? Um, well, the you know, I, I love to walk around the campus, but most importantly, I like to talk to as many people as I can every day. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, every day I met someone like you who is... Uh, <laughs> who is inspirational and that I get to do this every day. And I, um, you know, just came from a meeting with the deans of the university and uh, just the things that we were talking about around um, the strategic plan and what direction we're going. It it just, 
you know, it was a year-long process, and, and the plan is very important, but the journey that got us to the plan, I think, is equally important because it really uh, refocuses us on what's really important. None of us would have jobs if it weren't for students, right? So being student-centric is really important to me and I think the culture of the university. So this is about a cultural transformation as much as it is on executing on, on the plan itself. Uh, but, you know, we, we um, certainly, as I've highlighted, uh, uh, you know, having uh, only 81% retention rate of our students, this place is so great. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that in this plan I'm excited about implementing, which is the phase we're about to start. We, we'll probably take a little time off around the holidays and get back to work on starting the implementation phase in January. But so many programs that we're going to focus resources and efforts and getting the word out to students about you're not in this alone. Um, you know, there are resources that we can provide for you to help you. Uh, and almost all the time, it's about finding a community that can help you through this and you don't have to go through it alone. Uh, so I'm excited to, to see over the next several years um, how we can affect retention rate and keep our students here and and help them to uh, realize their hopes and dreams. Yeah, uh, it is finals time right now. So I get what you were saying about, you know, students feeling alone. And I didn't realize until I watched uh, your presentation that the honors, the new honors village was part of the strategic plan. Right. And I think that is also part of, you know, as you mentioned, fostering a culture. And I think our honors college is very strong. Most, all, almost all of our colleges are very strong. So it's encouraging to see that there is the cultural change, but also literally physical change. There's new buildings coming up, and people can f- physically connect more often as well. Yeah, and that's so important. I, I saw someone brought me in, in my uh, office hours yesterday this beautifully designed table uh, that's meant to sit outside. Uh, it's made out of uh, uh, this material that was invented and patented Uh, at the University of Arizona. I'm blocking on the name of it uh, right now. Uh, But, and it's solar powered so you can have plug-in stations, but it's not individual tables. It's like this big long table. So it encourages people to interact and sit there and uh, get to know each other. So uh, I I think that uh, it looks like a perfect place for the new student success district, which is is just like our Honors Village, which I think is going to be uh, the most transformational honors campus in the country, uh, the the Student Success District. There's no other university that I know of that's building something that's comparable. So I'm very excited. And, uh, you know, President Schaefer had the idea of connecting the main library with the engineering library, but Bear Jim was in, in between. <laughs> so Melissa Vito and Vindel Casino and Sean Sutton and several others uh, figured a way to build this uh, student success district that put Bear Down Gym, reanimated it, reimagined it, and I think it's going to be just really cool as a gathering place and sort of a one-stop uh, shopping for students to get the uh, the help they need, the um, advising, the services they need, but also be a place that people want to hang out and uh, get to know each other. Yeah, that's very important. Um, I didn't know. I I guess I probably spaced on that part about the Bear Down Gym because I was just thinking the other day I was studying at Main Library and I had to go to Science Engineering Library. Had to go outside and go (laughs) around. It's like, oh, I don't want to go out in the cold. No more. Once the Student (laughs) Success District is, you just pop through and grab your latte on the way over to the other library. Yeah, we need more. My professor always jokes, we need more Starbucks for our sleep-deprived students. Um, So you've mentioned retention rate a lot, and I've had a similar conversation uh, with Dean of Cows when he was on the radio as well. Um, And you said specifically, we're here to help our students realize their hopes and dreams. Um, I think one issue that doesn't get talked about enough is students pursuing degrees that they know they'll get paid well for, but it's not exactly the career choice that they want. So do you think that is part of the issue with retention and graduation rates? Do you think any of that stems from this problem? It could. It's it's complex and multifactorial, obviously. The number one cause is mental uh, illness. Mm. I, I, I knew it was a big problem. I didn't know it was the main problem. Uh, and 
you know, last year as part of the tuition raise, uh, the president of the student body, Matt, and I talked a, a lot over the course of the year. And I said, Matt, you know, we need to raise tuition. Um, what is it you want to get out of this? And he said, um, I'd like to see a doubling in the number of counselors for mental health uh, at the Student Health Center. And so we did that. Um, I, I was in a meeting where President Drake at Ohio State at the AAU meeting talked about they had long wait times like we did. They doubled the amount of counselors and the wait time went up because the word got out <laughs> yeah. that there's, there's more help there. Uh, so I think that's a big, big problem that we're, we're going to be focusing on uh, uh, in this plan. Uh, and the, the other thing is uh, not just access to, but the cost, uh, I've, I've been made aware because I interact with students all the time through the strategic planning process as well as outside of it, um, that uh, the cost is, is oftentimes prohibitive. We may get a, an appointment, but it's, it's not affordable. So we're looking into, you know, is it possible for us to uh, lower the barriers to, to access and, and address costs for, for this incredibly important uh, service that we need to be providing to our students. The second, of course, is financial issues. So many of our students, I pulled through uh, In-N-Out Burger the other night, <laughs> and one of the students recognized me and, oh, wow. and said, uh, and he was working. I mean, he works, I think he's told me 20 hours a week there. He's from the wow. Bay Area, and he transferred here recently. And so many of our students have to take a full load and work. And I mean, the stress of that is just incredible. So um, issues around, uh, I, I always equate what goes on with the triple aim in healthcare, provide the highest quality care at the lowest cost with the best service to the patients, with replicating that on the higher ed side. Give the highest quality education at the lowest cost we can and with the best service to the students. So uh, some version of that, of um, lowering these barriers, lowering the cost, helping students with these incredibly important uh, uh, issues in their life so that they can focus on their work and, and be successful. Yeah. Um, I What's interesting about Cal's is I did feel like the mental health awareness here at U of A has increased. I remember specifically last semester or so they had a mental health survey turned into our class. And right. I mean, that's very encouraging to see that you know, the stigma around mental health right. is going away. Yes. Well, not totally. I oh, mean, yeah. uh, um, uh, I, I think that's absolutely right. Just to tell people, look, that you're not alone in this journey either. Uh, and I always think of it as if you had diabetes, you would go and get help by getting insulin, right? Uh, and this is, this is a... a uh, an issue, most most always uh, an issue around uh, chemicals in your brain, and um, you know it's a combination of uh, like everything, uh, genetics in your environment, uh, and oftentimes uh, the environment around the university is very stressful and can trigger uh, you know people to have these episodes. That we need to be ready to provide them help, but if they don't know where to get the help or don't know we're there or, uh, you know, demystifying and destigmatizing uh, the issues, say, yeah, you know, I, I, I need to get help so that I can get back on track and be successful and graduate. Yeah, because it's ideal for students to graduate, especially graduating with the sense of accomplishment and not like, oh, I had to trudge through so much alone in this. And I think that's very important. Um, so kind of on a similar vein, but on a more positive note. Um, so you have an extensive background in medicine and research. I saw that you've published almost 300 worth of uh, research. So you studied medicine at University of, of Mississippi, and then you did your resi residency at Stanford, correct? Correct. Um, so medical school is quite a challenge, and I think many students are intimidated by medical school or even graduate school in general. So how did you power through those times, and did you ever doubt yourself? Uh, I, I, I can't say that I doubted myself. I, I, did, uh, I did set a high bar because I came from a, uh, a poor upbringing and um, you know, arriving at a, uh, I went to a, a really small liberal arts college and, um, 
it seemed like everybody had uh, more um, experience uh, in their high schools that were more challenging and more expansive. And uh, I felt like that I was behind and had to work harder. Uh, and I and I thought that if I didn't make an A in every course that I took, that I, there was no chance for me to get into medical school. So a lot of it was self-imposed um, goals or or pressure to to achieve. But I, I tell you, the um, finding a core group of uh, uh, friends and uh, people who are going along that mission the same route uh, and just um, you know, that's why I'm such a huge fan of collaborative learning and active uh, learning classrooms and, and that whole pedagogy, because we did that. I mean, I did that when I was in college, but just not in a formal way. It was after class that we would get together and uh, it was, you know, there were no computers then. So <laughs> I can remember handwriting notes and then going back and getting in a quiet place in the library and very... Uh, cleanly rewriting those notes because it reinforced what I had heard and learned. And then we would use our notes to quiz each other. And uh, if you can teach it to me, then you must understand it kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So I I love that idea. And uh, that's a big part of the strategic plan is to getting uh, more collaborative and active classrooms, getting more professors that are interested in, in this type of teaching. And every student I've ever talked to said, uh, you know, hands down, more fun, learned more, more engaging. Uh, and, you know, Paul Blower's on the video as part of the strategic planning process even uh, said he, di- he didn't go into the details, but when I visited his class last year, that it's a very difficult chemical engineering class. And, uh, you know, the dropout rate and the pass rate were around 50%. Now it's, you know, almost 90%. And, and he added, nobody falls asleep in his class anymore. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. And I, and I will say the most, uh, the, the best uh, performance enhancing uh, maneuver you can, can, you can get is sleep. Mm. So I highly encourage sleep, although I know none of us get enough sleep. <laughs> yeah, that ain't that the truth. <laughs> Last night I had to stay up until like 2 a.m. or so working on a final project and set the alarm for 5.30 to make wow. sure it was turned in. But we power through it. I think especially for, you know, freshman students, this is their first finals and they may not know how important sleep is or they may not know how to study. So do you have any advice to our freshmen that are taking finals right now? Yeah, I, I think the the idea of uh, there's a diminishing return, right? The, the most popular course at Stanford uh, was taught by Professor DeMent, who was, turns out was one of my neighbors uh, on the campus. There are about 800 old homes, and the professors lived on campus, and you walked across there. And, and that was by far the most uh, 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 popular course at Stanford. So there, there's a diminishing return where if you try to, quote, do an all-nighter, uh, sometimes it, you, know, you have to do it. If you've got a deadline and you've got a project and you've got to get it done, you've got to power through it. Um, but if you're going over the same thing, um, uh, most of the time you're going you're gonna to perform better on the exam if you're well-rested and get sleep. If you go in and uh, oftentimes you can make mistakes because you're just so fatigued. And, it, and it's so interesting about, um, you know, when I was going through medical training and doing surgery training, and, and just remember, you can, you can put this into the calculus. You can put it in a spreadsheet. There are 168 hours in a week. And so, um, uh, you know, frequently we would, we would work 120 hours a week. Uh, and now there's a rule that you can't work past 80 hours a week uh, because the, the data shows you that no matter how uh, awake and alert and good you think you are, uh, you're just not because you need sleep to, to perform. And so I would, I would say uh, get sleep, try to be organized, Try to find um, friends and partners that you can study with because, again, that interaction of you may know something a little bit better about some engineering principle and I may know something a little bit better uh, about something else. And that exchange and challenging each other and asking questions because, again, if you can teach me, that means you understand it. Mm. For um, shyer people, how do you recommend reaching out to people like that? Uh, Well... 
I think um, uh, just go for it. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, the you know you over the course of a class, you must observe uh, people that uh, you know uh, that you can go up to and approach. And uh, you know, I I think that uh, the beauty that I had, and another reason why I'm a huge fan of small classes, is. The, the little college that I went to was only a total student body of 1,000. Oh, wow. So the classes were pretty small, and you got to know each other fairly well. But there's so many clubs that we have here and so many activities that I, I would uh, encourage people to, to really reach out and go, go past your comfort zone and try new things because you're going you're gonna to meet people that are from all over the world. And, and that's another thing that I think that is in the plan that is – uh, embedded and uh, woven uh, across all aspects of the plan about the uh, competitive competitive advantage we have for, with diversity. I mean, we're one of 60 AAU schools at the very top with Harvard and Princeton and Stanford and all, all those places. Uh, but we have the highest number of first-generation students. About a third of our students are first-generation uh, Pell-eligible students. So they... they um, like I did, coming from uh, uh, you know a, a poor background, uh, have a whole set of challenges that people who are taking AP courses in in high school and who often come in and say, "Am I a freshman or a sophomore?" Because I'm bringing like 20 you know four hours of credit from high school. That's a totally different group of people, but you're going to be sitting side by side with them in class. So I, I think. Reaching out, um, uh, you know, taking a chance to talk to people. I mean, that's that's what the world's all about, getting to know people and hearing their stories and sharing your story. Yeah. I really enjoyed what you said about clubs. Uh, so for people that don't know, I'm a computer engineering and computer science double major. Uh, but I originally joined the student radio when I was a freshman because I wanted to meet new people and I knew I loved music. And then that's transformed into my love for talk shows and doing interviews like this one. And it's really opened up a lot of doors of opportunities. And I think sometimes when you're a freshman, you're a little bit intimidated to join clubs because you may be shy or you may think, oh, I'm already so stressed with what I got. So if any of you are listening and you're feeling stressed out and don't think you can handle a club, pick one up just for fun. If yeah. you don't like it, you can always drop it. And and I think it'll alleviate some of your stress. <laughs> yeah. Go have fun. Uh, meet new people. And, and again, the, uh, the great diversity that we have is a competitive advantage and makes us all better. Uh, the other thing about liking music. I obviously like music as well, but the arts in general uh, is a huge part of the strategic plan and uh, the plan for the campus. And we've got incredible uh, arts here. We've got one of the top dance programs. If people haven't been to a dance uh, performance, just absolutely incredible. Uh, what what uh, uh, Jory Hancock and his wife have done over the past three decades to build that program into really the top program of any university-based program. We've got the uh, Center for Creative Photography. We've got the Fred Fox uh, School of Music. Um, we've got a great art museum. There's so many things, and, and a new dean of fine arts who who really uh, believes in having the arts distributed across the entire uh, college experience. Um, so go to a play, go to a dance uh, performance. Um, it's a way to meet new people and uh, to, to really uh, get outside of your norm and uh, experience something that is truly uh, life-changing. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was a kid, I did piano, and I'm from Tucson. So my sister and I would do uh, duet competitions, and they would typically be at U of A. And the musical performances here, the play Waitress is going on right now. I know about that. And you mentioned about the dance majors. I've met an incredibly large amount of dance majors this semester. And seeing what they do is, it's so much hard work. And I think a lot of, you know, STEM people can forget that it's hard to do art. If you asked me to do a dance, I would probably fail miserably. Right. And I think part of the culture of Tucson in general is our arts and music. No question about it. Uh, you know, as people say, uh, Phoenix is a big, you know, global city, but Tucson has a real soul to it. Mm -hmm. And having grown up here, you know that certainly better than me. But I, I've been so impressed with 
the soul of the city and and how big the university is uh, a, a major part of the of the city. Mm-hmm. You and you're a student in the schools here. Most of you will either debate between ASU or U of A, but I feel like if you're from Tucson, you already know your pick. Yeah. <laughs> between the sports, the amazing uh, arts, and just the engineering program and the STEM programs here are incredible. Uh, medical school. Uh, I think a right. lot of people that want to go to medical school go here because they can just hop right into it from undergrad. Yeah, and we're the only university that has two medical sc- schools. Oh, yeah. That's so right. we've got two shots on goal, either in uh, Phoenix or in Tucson. Yeah, and we have the law school here as well. So, so many opportunities here. So we're about halfway through the interview. So I'm going to play Ain't No Mountain High Enough to. Mm. Get some spirits boosted for finals week. You know, we can get over that mountain and we'll be back and we'll be talking more with President Robbins. Make sure you stay tuned in. Okay, so we are back. During the break, uh, we were talking about music a little bit and President Robbins mentioned country western music. Do you have any particular artist or song that you love the most? Well, as, as everyone can tell, I'm I have a southern accent, so I'm from the south, but I don't get country music or NASCAR. Uh, I just never really, but I do have a little bit of George Strait uh, on my playlist because uh, in the operating room, one of my professors at Stanford was from North Carolina, and he, he played the the best of George Strait, and it would play over and over and over. So I downloaded that just for old times, and I like some of the songs on it. Oh, I love the nostalgia feeling of songs. So uh, my show here at the radio station is rather interesting. Um, It's about memes, so like meme culture. And so I'll talk about songs that we listened to when we were kids that are still relevant now, but for funnier reasons. And I have a 2000s nostalgia playlist that's like, I think, over 10 hours long. So it, what generation of music is your favorite? Well, what what are some of the songs on your 2000 list? Oh, man. I'm trying to just think of some, you know, like classic Britney Spears. Ah. Um, and I have this whole conspiracy theory that 2007 is the best year in terms of culture. A uh, little crazy, but the best video games came out, good music came out, and it was the beginning of kind of the internet age. Um, so most viral YouTube videos, you know, are from 2007. Right. But <laughs> So I would go back to different periods of time, uh, uh, certainly in my childhood, and I, I did try to bring some vinyl over. If you invite me back, I'll make sure I yes. bring some vinyl over. But the 60s, you know, I, I think was really special uh, with the whole watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. I mean, you, you've seen the grainy black and white of that, but I actually watched it live. So, and, you know, of course, being from Mississippi, Elvis Presley, but then the, just the the so-called British invasion and all of that, and with all the social issues that were going on at the time with, uh, you know, civil rights, uh, then moving into the Vietnam War and, and all the music that was around that time, uh, you know, that just, as you say, it brings back memories. And and then, you know, I, I still think the big stadium rock of the 80s and the big concerts and, the, you know, Bon Jovi and U2, oh, bon you Jovi. led off with U2 there and that they're still around and, uh, you know, making an impact. Uh, but then moving into uh, hip-hop and rap and, uh, you know, that was a time when my children were growing up, so <laughs> I listened to it. That's why I've got so much of it on my uh, playlist today because I, I, I initially thought, wow, that's, uh, that's not really music as, you know, the 60s or the 80s or whatever. But as I've gotten to listen to it and, uh, and understood it's, it's an art form of telling a story and incredibly talented. I don't know if you've ever tried to rap, but <laughs> it's very difficult. And there's a, there's a guy who spent some time around uh, Arizona. He's in California. His name's Kelly James is his stage name, and I knew him as a little kid. And, and he uh, freestyles. So wow. he'll go around a room and, and ask you for a word, and then he will personalize a rap back t- to the audience in that. So 
you know, there, there's so many different genres, and of course, classical music, you know, I mean, not classic rock, but <laughs> true classical Mozart and uh, things like that. So uh, I, I think it's all uh, inspirational, and it and it does something to the chemicals in your brain, gets you in a good place and relaxes you and makes you think of uh, 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 nostalgia in some points, but, um, uh, you know, there, there are songs that that uh, people play like athletes when they're about to go into a big game that gets them ready to go. And <laughs> it's been shown that you, that you do better on job interviews if you play that kind of, you know, 50 cent or something like that. It gets you all ready to go. I didn't know that about the pump yeah. up music to interviews. Yeah. I got to do that next time. Fact check me, you know, <laughs> see about what songs get your get your, you know, neurotransmitters going to get you prepared to perform at your highest level. Uh, it's There's some science behind it. Yeah, I, I will have to look that up next time. Uh, you mentioned sports players. Uh, Deand- DeAndre Ayton's playlist is like one of the most popular playlists on Spotify that I've seen from a U of A person. <laughs> so I p- sometimes put his playlist on to get myself pumped there up. There you go. <laughs> so even like sports people can be, you know, musically inclined. Um, so if you were to come back on the show, yes. what sort of content would we expect? Would we want more of an interview, or did you want to play more of your vinyl? Uh, I'll do whatever it is. You're the boss. <laughs> you tell me what, what, it, what it is your audience wants to hear, and I can try to, try to uh, you know, help you out with that. Yeah, so... Does DeAndre have any uh, Bob Marley on his list? I'll have to check that yeah. out, because I know he has more of, like, the current rap music... Yeah. Um, but I bring, I'm bringing it up right now. Um, no, it's mostly just like current songs. Yeah. Um, but there's some really like good, uh, <laughs> U of A basketball people that have playlists that they curate and the Arizona people listen to. That's Even great. when, uh, it was voting time, like the time to vote, there was a Spotify playlist specifically for Arizona voters. Wow. It was the top songs Arizona people listen to. I didn't know half of them. <laughs> So, <laughs> but you mentioned uh, what the listeners want to hear. And when Dean of Cows was on, we talked about his travels. Uh, so what have you learned from traveling either across the world or in the United States? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> in, in my previous jobs, uh, I traveled all over the world and uh, probably too much for, <laughs> for to be healthy. But to be able to go and see so many different cultures and so many different people. Uh, I, I was uh, on a trade mission with the mayor of Houston to Johannesburg and Cape Town. I'd never been to South Africa. Uh, and there's a gentleman who met me during that trip and has invited me back to give a keynote lecture to uh, an annual conference they have in South Africa where 20 uh, countries get together and, and they want to hear about uh, the the role of higher education in the fourth industrial revolution oh. so had i not gone there and gotten to know this guy who who actually was deeply involved with uh, president mandela once he got out of prison and i mean just experiences like that that's why uh, my hope is and i think it's actually in one of the initiatives of the strategic plan is that every one of our students gets a passport uh, and has some uh, uh, ability to study abroad, whether that's just getting uh, on an organized trip south of uh, uh, Tucson, you know, a couple hours, you can go and do some meaningful work and learn about, you know, the Mexican culture right here. Uh, And so I think it's really, really important and just the idea of of uh, uh, seeing how other people live and the values they have and learning from them and uh, things that they value uh, just makes you, Im- improves you as a person and gives you, expands your horizon. Uh, and I, that's why I think having students come here from all over the world uh, helps us uh, in terms of um, having diversity is, is a competitive advantage. Yeah, the diversity in the classroom is really interesting to me because I do have people in my classes that are from South Africa, and uh, I have a woman that's in my PATH mentorship group, and she's from Ghana. So Mm -hmm. it's really interesting hearing people's stories and how they ended up at the University of Arizona because I can't imagine, you know, being from a different country and considering what 
American school to pick or right. if I was in England like what would I where would I go it's interesting um, and Dean of Cal's when he was on mentioned you know PhD programs abroad I was like I haven't even thought of that <laughs> yeah and I, I got the opportunity to go to uh, Melbourne Australia to do my last part of my uh, training doing pediatric cardiac surgery at Royal Children's in Melbourne and you know I, I it will all be always be one of my favorite places to visit because I had such a incredible experience there but I, I always ask every student your their name what year they are what they're studying and why in the world did they choose the University of Arizona mm -hmm. and uh, you know uh, I, I often wonder and that's why I think because the fourth pillar uh, in the strategic plan is about global um, initiatives in the micro campuses and Brent White is leading that and has done a great job of building this really differentiated product of a, of a micro campus. So it gives students in other countries the ability to, to study uh, an American curriculum and get a joint degree with the block A stamped on it. Uh, but it also lets them know that the University of Arizona here is here and it helps us to, to market our brand uh, globally. And I think that's really important. Moreover, it gives our students a natural landing zone in other countries to go and, and, and use that as a, uh, as a site for study abroad experiences. And then finally, those students can actually transfer here or come to graduate school here. So I, I really like that part of the strategic plan as well. That's exciting. That's also very interesting to have that opportunity for those students. And you mentioned study abroad. My best friend went to Costa Rica for study abroad, and that is all she talks about. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to Dublin for spring break with some friends, and this will be my first time out of the country. So Had I'm to get a passport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had a passport for some time, but I've never needed it before until now except for job applications. Good. So um, I think what I find most interesting about world travel is, you know, connecting with people and realizing the similarities that also are shown in our differences, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So what made uh, Melbourne, Australia, so besides the experience that you had in school, what made you connect with it so well? Well, I, I went there, obviously, because the surgeon that I got to work with was one of the top uh, uh, congenital heart surgeons in the world. Um, and once I got there, uh, uh, it was uh, so... Um, friendly. The people are just so friendly. And growing up in the South, we, you know, I can just remember that I was raised by my grandmother and her friends would just come by in the afternoons and sit on the front porch in the swing and drink iced tea and talk. And I found that very similar type culture in Melbourne. It's a bunch of small neighborhoods and they're really, uh, and I got into also the uh, Australian rules football footy that uh, maybe Shane Burgess talked about when he was on the on the show being being uh, you know sort of a Kiwi and an Australian, um, but but they were you know the the source of that game started in Melbourne so there were like twenty teams in Melbourne and each uh, neighborhood had their own team that they rooted for they call it they barracked for and uh, so it, it was just a very um, neighborhood-based, friendly, um, outgoing, accepting uh, culture that I, I just, in a beautiful country as well. And I just, I just found that uh, to be so uh, enjoyable. And it's a big uh, uh, food scene. It's the, it's the uh, largest Greek population outside Athens Greek. And it's, I think, the one of the third, I think it's the third largest Italian population because immigrants in, in World War II found their way to Melbourne because it was a port city and just an incredibly uh, uh, cool, uh, engaging, welcoming uh, environment. Also learned about cricket there and, of course, <laughs> the Australian Open is played in Melbourne. So huge sports city, big outdoors place, and just beautiful, beautiful. So would you say you're a big sports fan then? Yeah, probably too big. <laughs> What's your favorite U of A sport? Uh, all of them. All of them. Oh, yeah. I can't <laughs> pick a favorite. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love, I loved, you know, all of the um, 
And I, what I love about them is obviously the games are, are great, but the student athletes are uh, just incredible with meeting a, a course load, all the demands that uh, are put on them by their athletic teams. But I think it builds the sort of five C's of the strategic plan around uh, core traits that, that, uh, that I think from general education, we, our students hopefully will acquire communication skills, critical thinking skills, creative uh, thinking skills, collaborative teamwork, uh, culture and, and diversity and how that's important in one's life. Um, so sports teaches you that. It teaches you hard work, discipline, um, you know, time management. That's the other thing I was getting back to finals. Plan it out. <laughs> Manage your time because there's only, remember, 168 hours in a week. And, uh, you know, to, to be able to uh, just kind of bear down over these <laughs> next couple of uh, days to weeks. Oh, um, that just reminded me. I have a specific song request to play for you. Oh. So our sports director, Brody, uh, wondered if you knew about the Bear Down Trap remix. I do not. <laughs> but I will. I, if you can send it to me, I'll put it on my playlist. Okay. It's on YouTube, so yeah. anyone can listen to it. And it's really funny because it's people singing the Bear Down theme song, but then they put, like, electronic music behind it. Ah. And I'll never forget when I was a freshman and I was walking on campus for, I think, like either my first or second time, and it was noon, and you hear the Bear Down theme go off. And right. that was just so, like, I don't know how to describe it, just mind-blowing of being like, whoa, I'm in college, this is happening, I'm going to U of A. I finally know the <laughs> fight song, even though I've lived in Tucson my whole life. So what, what has been the hardest part about transitioning into the U of A for you? Uh, the thing that has been most difficult as you see me here in my coat today, <laughs> I did not anticipate how cool it gets here. Mm. And, uh, I, I thought I was coming to 80, you know, a, a, a ceiling of, or a bottom cellar of 80 degrees year <laughs> round. And I'm okay with the 112s, but the 40s, I'm not I don't like that. <laughs> so it's been difficult for me to adjust to sort of cooler weather. Uh, although Houston, you know, got cold in the Bay Area. I, I was there for over 20 years, and in the winter I would freeze uh, at night uh, particularly. So I, you know, that transition, but nothing. The, um, uh, the, the city, as you well know, having grown up here, is just so much fun and so many things to do, and the people are so friendly, uh, and uh, the the job is just, it's you know, as one of my friends said, it's 25-8, not 24-7. <laughs> and uh, I just, every day I wake up, I get to, to experience something that um, I just want to tell people about because <laughs> it's uh, so incredible doing this with you, getting to, to meet you and seeing... Uh, uh, you know, what you do with your show is uh, inspirational. I'll be telling people everywhere about it. You can't believe I got to see, the, you know, uh, the asteroid and, and the, uh, the arrival at Bennu and then get to come and be on the radio. And uh, so I hopefully you'll, you'll ask me back. Oh, yeah, for sure. We would love to have you back and, you know, try and make this a more frequent thing like we've done in the past. I know you're very busy, I'm sure, as are most of the deans, too. But we're yes. trying to. Good. Yeah, we're trying to get more faculty and, uh, you know, the people that really are the hidden figures of the university. Um, you may hear like, oh, the dean does X, Y, Z. But, you know, most students don't really know what they really do or how no. they feel about a lot of things. Right. And so it's really nice having this opportunity to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. And, you know, as we started out talking about office hours, please, you know, I should know where to go and sign up for that. But one of our uh, student workers in the office came up with the format of how to do it. Uh, and I think it's pretty easy. And now that I'm going to expand the hours and expand the number of people, all of you who are on the waiting list, hopefully you can uh, get on quickly because I, I think that's uh, a nice way to do it. Having it in the office is, is really cool, but having it in the residence and doing it at night and being a little more um, – less formal, I think it will be a lot more fun. And and I'm, I'm supposed to always say, you know, follow me on Twitter, but 
at U of A president. So. Oh, okay. I'll make sure to follow you. Yeah, yeah. Please do. <laughs> follow for follow. Um, so we're pretty much at the end of this interview, um, and I wanted to thank you for this opportunity. I think having you on the show has increased popularity for the radio station. Um, sometimes some other parts of student media can kind of overshadow us. So it's nice having you here. And this opportunity to speak to you one-on-one has been incredible. Like the thoughts Great. that I've been accumulating ever since uh, I found out you were coming, I finally got to give those off to you. <laughs> Good, but you have to tell me what we talked briefly, but what are you going to do after your U of A experience? <sighs> what are your hopes and dreams? I don't know. I, I joke I'm having my quarter-life crisis yeah. where I'm debating between becoming a professor. You know, there's not that many female professors, and I do enjoy working with younger people, and I feel I have the capability to teach. But I also really enjoy the internship I have at Honeywell, and I would also like to work full-time there. So whatever course the wind may take me. So. Be a professor. Stay at the U of A and be a professor. <laughs> we need you to stay here. Yeah, right? I mean, it, I love U of A. My parents live here. <laughs> it's, it's a nice choice, but I think, like I was mentioning earlier, you know, graduate school is very intimidating. <laughs> so Go but, for it. Okay. You can do it. <laughs> so that's you and Dean of Cows that support my decision to go to grad Absolutely. school. Absolutely. And Dean Burgess is such a cool guy. Oh. Uh, he uh, he spent time in Mississippi at Mississippi State, and you know if he could survive that and come out with <laughs> such a positive attitude, you know he's a great guy. <laughs> now I'm curious as to what Mississippi State is like. Well, it's uh, it's a great school and it has a great uh, veterinary school and agriculture school, and uh, really uh, it's it's a little isolated in Starkville, Mississippi. So uh, you know he was there for several years and. His wife's from Mississippi, and oh. she's a veterinarian as well. He's a veterinarian, mm-hmm. and we're starting a vet school. So yeah. uh, people that uh, are interested in that area, it's going to be great. Yeah, University of Arizona has the medical schools, the law school, and now the vet school. It's That's right. really competitive. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to thank you once again for coming on the show. Are there any other final thoughts or advice, anything at all you want to same. No, I, I would just say, first of all, thank you. This has <laughs> been a blast. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, if I come back, maybe I'll, as I said, play some music. But uh, really to let the students primarily know that, um, you know, you deserve to be here. You're not here alone. We're going to double down on investing uh, efforts to help you be successful, as I said realize your hopes and dreams, each and every one of you, no matter where you come from and what your background is. And, um, you know, don't get behind. You you know, next semester, focus time management on finals this time, get through them, and don't get behind because it's so hard to catch up. And and good luck to everyone, and I look forward to seeing as many of you as can and sign up for office hours. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm going to sign up for that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so I just wanted to thank those of you that have listened in. We have recorded this, so we will be finding a place to post this probably on the camp website, um, and we will also be giving it to President Robbins and his team as well, and they can do with it what they would like. So I just wanted to thank you once again, and I'm going to play that Bear Down Trap remix for oh, the I thought you were, I thought you were going with the clean Eminem version. Oh, we you were want to? Talk- no, 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 <laughs> I'm curious to see how good the clean version no, is. You can probably cut it off if it gets too... <laughs> I think it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah when uh, you showed me that on your phone, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I've got some that are even more racy than that. So. <laughs> okay, so let's see. We're going to play Lose Yourself to close us all out. So thank you, President Robbins. Thank and you so much. Thank you to the listeners. Have a good finals, everybody.